Blog Talk Radio. Well, I don't know what happened to our opening there, everybody. Hey, welcome to the Left of Straight show. It is Friday, May 8, 2020, and I'm your host, Scott Fullerton. Thanks for tuning in. I have no idea what happened to our opening there. That's just very, very strange. It's supposed to play all by its little self. Well, guys, welcome to the show. It's Friday, and I'm excited because Ohio is opening up next Friday. It was announced last night that uh, hairdressers and outdoor restaurants can open. You can go on patios to restaurants now. We still can't go indoors. That's another couple weeks. But it's slowly starting to open up, so that's very, very good news. I'm excited to hear that. Uh, things are slowly starting to open up. you got to be safe out there. Wear masks. Uh, be, keep your six-foot social distance. And we can get through this. I know it's a little scary time. I know that uh, this can cause more cases to develop, and I hope governments are paying attention to that. But overall, I'm very impressed with the way that Mike Devine has been handling this uh, here. You know, I'm a tried and true Democrat, and Mike Devine is a tried and true Republican. But he has done very good through all of this for the state of Ohio. Uh, Listening to Dr. Amy, who is our health um, person here in Ohio, the one in charge of health, director of health and safety, and she has done an amazing job. And so we are going to start to open up. We had – On May 1st, you were able to get non-elective doctor's appointments and and some manufacturing opened up with certain guidelines. This Tuesday, retail is going to open up with certain guidelines and social distancing. And then I said next Friday, you can do outdoor seating at restaurants as well as your takeout. And you can also go into hair salons, and I think maybe gyms. I need to call about it. I need to get back to the gym. So things are slowly happening. And then I think a week or two after that, they're going to let you go inside of restaurants. It's going to be very, very strange, very changed. We're going to cut occupancy. Um, As you guys know, my best friend and his wife live in Vegas. Vegas's uh, gambling board approved new regulations yesterday. They are going to hold casinos and gaming floors to 50% occupancy, which means it's going to be very weird on the gambling floors. I think no more than three people to blackjack. Uh, Craps is going to have a limit of how many people around it and roulette. So it's going to be very interesting with blackjack because that is an odds game with the cards. So it's going to change the odds quite a bit on that. It's probably your best odds you have against the house in Vegas. So that's going to be kind of interesting. But things are slowly starting to open up, so I hope everyone is safe and smart and gets out there. Last night, if you were able to tune in, we have a fantastic Writer's Block Thursday with Greg Cope White and Dennis Hensley on. Greg is a screenwriter of the book The Pink Marine and is a Marine, former Marine, and is also a home cook and was featured on the Cooking Channel. And Dennis is an amazing writer. He's written interviews. He's written for great publications. He has his own podcast. He's also helped co-create a really cool board and streaming game 
Uh, it's called You Don't Know My Life, and I recommend you check it out. You can go to www.youdon'tknowmylifegame.com and check it out and order the a physical board game to get back home, or you can get them to play it virtually via Zoom for you. They will coordinate the game. They will run it and be the facilitators, and you can just invite uh, anywhere from six to 20 of your closest friends for Zoom and have a night of gaming for Zoom, and it's a really fun game. So that was a great night last night. If you missed the show, just go to your favorite podcast distributor, download the show, real simple to do. Run all the major ones. We got uh, iPod, the Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, of course, um, Spotify, all that fun stuff. So be sure to look at all of those. Tonight, I got three amazing interviews for you tonight. We're going to do two live and one pre-tape. Up first, in just a couple minutes here, I have the amazing dancer and choreographer, Lyric Cruz. And then a very good friend of our show, actor, writer, producer, Matt Hayes will be calling in. We'll catch up with him. And then finally, I have a pre-tape interview with Tanner Zipchin. He's very cool. He's up in Canada, and he was actually won a contest. They have um, a pre-show for all their movies at the movie theaters there, and he won a contest to be the host for this pre-show and has been in over 1,300 movie theaters for five years now, introducing the movies and doing amazing interviews with everybody from actors from Jurassic Park and Hugh Jackman and all over the place. So that was a real fun interview show. Be sure to stay tuned for that as well. But let's get ready to get into it here. I see my first guest is on the line, so we're going to play out a little music so I can get him ready to go. Since it is Drag Race Friday, we'll play a little bit of Blair St. Clair from when she was on my show. This is Blair St. Clair, Call My Life. I'm going to be back with Lyric Cruz in just a couple minutes. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Every day is a busy tone, and I hear it. Calling by your voice, unknown Gotta filter, it's all for show You believe it But you never really know I know And you're never gonna see Every part of me But I make you believe That I can make you mine But I'm sick of this game Put it on my brain Gonna do it my way Time, baby Call my
Wonderful Blair St. Clair with Call My Life. Guys, my next guest is internationally recognized dancer and choreographer whose work has taken him to more countries than I can count. He served as choreographer to over 20 dance companies, worked with the likes of Debbie Allen as part of her creative team. You've seen his work from Lip Sync Battle to The Ellen Show to American Idol. And he's here to talk a little bit about one of his latest endeavors as a lead dancer for Penny Dreadful, the newest season, City of Angels. Please welcome the Left and Straight Show for the very first time, the handsome and talented, Mr. Lyric Cruz. Lyric, how you doing, buddy? Hey, thank you. Thank you for that introduction. Um, so happy to be here with you, Scott. How are you? I am doing amazing. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. How are you holding up in the corona quarantine, my friend? What's going on? Um, you know, I it, I um I have to be honest that you know it hasn't been as bad for me. You know, I I feel very grateful to quarantine under the conditions that I I gotten the chance to. And you know, um, one of my other good friends who's also one on choreographer, I kind of called them up at the beginning of all this, and he lives in a in a townhouse by himself. So I was like, Leo, I'm packing up my fridge and my clothes and I'm coming over for a month and he was like perfect let's do this together so you know I've been in oh, great I company and I and I've still been able to be creative and I've been teaching my classes on um you know through IG live weekly so you know it, it, it I've, I've kept it as normal to what my life was 
as possible. So, you know, I've had certain days where it's not even um, not even feeling the relentlessness or or feeling the anxiety. You know, it's just days where you feel sad for what's going on in the world, you know, and, and sure. sad that people are dying and sad that people are losing their jobs. And, and, and for me, you know, sad for dancers in the industry who, who, you know, this is a very struggling, um, struggling career for, for a long right. time, you know, and, and I feel for those kids who, who, you know, come to LA and, and you're fighting for this dream and, and you have to work as a server and as a bartender to dance and, you know, from one day to the next, it's all pulled out under your feet, you know? And so those right. days, you know, I'm human, and I allowed myself to feel that sadness. But personally, I, you know, I'm very grateful of where I'm at and how I was able to deal with quarantine. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. And you have been tearing it up on Instagram, my friend. You're doing your Instagram live shows. You had one this afternoon. I got to tune in for a little bit. You and your buddy doing some uh, dancing on there in classes. That's amazing stuff. But you've been teaching online for a while, right? That's nothing new to you, right? Yeah, well, you, you know, well, um, it, it became more prevalent now, you know, during the circumstance. But, you know, I, I, it was me and a lot of my colleagues, you know, it's like the one way that we could share joy in this time is through dance, you know? So, a lot yes. of us definitely um, pay for our online presence a little bit more. And, you know, just happy that people have been receptive and, and have been able to enjoy, you know, just even if it's that one hour that they're taking the dance class that they could escape from this madness, you know. So it's been good. Right. And, and, it's been very ther- and it's been therapeutic for me, you know, to be able to release that energy and, and know that even through, you know, the comments that you see on, on your page, you know, you're still connected, and, and, you know, that really helped a lot with my mental health, I, I could assure you. That is fantastic. I love hearing that. Well, let's start at the beginning a little bit. One of the things I love about you is how proud you are and how much you celebrate your Puerto Rican heritage. Start at the beginning. Talk about, I think you're a Chicago boy. Talk about where you grew up a little bit. Talk about your family. What kind of a kid were you, and what do you want to be when you grew up? Uh, well, listen, I have this, <laughs> I'm going to tell you how this goes. You know, I was a super energetic um, little kid, you know. I I was, I grew up very, very Puerto Rican in the Puerto Rican neighborhood of Chicago, which is Humboldt Park. And, um, you know, my mother was, uh, she was the first one to ever move to the United States from her family. So my mother, you know, in our household, we spoke Spanish, we listened to Spanish music, and we were very, um, very in tune with our culture and, and where, where we come from. And it was something that I took so much pride in at a very young age, which, you know, I just felt a huge connection. And, and I'm a middle child, you know, so being the middle one, you're also the awkward one, you know, so right. I'm one of three boys. And, um, but I had such a huge connection to music, I, and I had such a huge connection to to my culture, you know, and and I it wasn't something, it was nurtured, but it wasn't something that someone taught me to be. It, it was something that I just felt a connection to very young, you know, very, very young. And, um, you know, it's it's something that really, really helped mold me and, and, and shape what I was going to be as an adult, you know, 
knowing that that you've been able to grab a hold of a sense of your identity, you know, which those of us who are first or second generation growing up in the United States is easy to be lost, you know. And I was right. I, I'm, I'm, I was very fortunate to be able to hang on to that. So, yeah, you know, it's why I wear my Puerto Rican heritage on my sleeve, you know, like super proud of where I come from. I think that is awesome. I absolutely love that. And talk about, I read, I think, that you went to your first Pride Parade when you were at 16. I want you to talk about that experience. When did you first come out to yourself, and who was the first person you ever told? Well, um, so that journey of coming out, right, which, you know, I could honestly say I was probably ready to say it when I was 12 years old. You know, it was um, it, it, it was just a matter of, of comprehending it a little bit more and knowing how I was going to deliver this message, you know. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful that by forces of nature and the universe, I was a kid with, uh, uh, you know, I, I was very strong-minded, and I was never easily taunted or bullied or, or you know, I, I just had really thick skin. And maybe growing up in the neighborhood I did gave me a lot of that, you know. Right. Um, uh, but uh, I went to the Performing Arts High School in Chicago, which definitely helped level out the playing field of my life, you know, because I, I was definitely the kid from the opposite side of the tracks. Um, but, you know, I went to Lincoln Park High School, and, and it was a new world that also opened for me, you know, and, and I was finally, I found my tribe at my high school, you know. I found kids who, who were gothic, who were ravers, who were club kids, who were dancers, who were actors, who were singers, and and that just made the process a little easier. Um, so, you know, in high school, it was probably to my first group of friends, you know, that I had at the lunch table, that I just felt like gotcha. I wanted to get the secret off my back. And then, you know, short, shortly after, you know, it was um, right after my 15th birthday that I sat down with my mother and, you know, basically told her, you know, this is the rundown I gave to my mom. I said, Mom, before I tell you what I'm going to tell you, I just want you to know, I was never molested. I was never brainwashed. I, <laughs> this is who I am, you know. Um, and I felt it was so important for me to, to acknowledge that right, right away, you know, and let her know that this is just, you know, she raised a, a, a smart, confident kid who knew what he was and wasn't ashamed of it, you know. That's and awesome. that's how, yeah, you know, and that's, and, and very lucky, Scott, you know, because, um, I know what, what the experience was for a lot of my friends who were coming out at the same time. And it wasn't, it wasn't so gracious, you know. Um, right. I was fortunate to have a mother that even though she didn't understand anything that I was doing in my life, but she allowed me to live my life and she respected it, you know. Oh, that's um, great. And, you know, that was, yeah, that was just a, a, a strong bond that my mother and I had. But, you know, I, I went through so much with so many of my friends who were coming out at the time and, you know, their parents throwing their stuff out of the house and them getting kicked out, getting disowned, mm-hmm. and, you know, which is just as traumatizing, even though it didn't happen to me. I still lived through that with all my friends. So, you know, it was a tough time. You know, this was in 1995. You know, this was still right. a very, very, very taboo time to come out, especially in the Latin family, you know? 
Um, you know, yeah. kids nowadays they don't know they don't know how easy they got it. You know, they they can come out the closet with purses flying out their mouth, and it's just a little easier today than what it was 20 True years that. ago. <laughs> True that, my friend. <laughs> Hallelujah! I tell you, goodness, I'm a little older than you. I was back in the 80s, and that was really tough. Plus, you were afraid of dying back then. So yeah, it's it's, it's today they can have the parents support them and buy them their first pride flag when they're 12 years old. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, like yeah it. It's I a like different it. world. It's a different world. But, you know, I, I owe a lot to my coming out experience to Horizons, which was a gay youth community center in Chicago. And, um, you know, I found this through another friend who was just coming out. And, you know, we would do a lot of group sessions, and they, they kind of helped us navigate a lot of, how to come out to our parents, what should we do, you know, um, at least guide us. And, and, you know, again, I was very fortunate to find that outlet because it definitely helped my entire coming out experience. Oh, I love hearing that. That's amazing. Very, very cool. I like that a lot. Right, let's move on a little bit. Um, speaking of your Puerto Rican pride and everything, I want to talk about the Imogen Awards a second. You've been working with that. Um, Founded by Norman Lear. Norman Lear is like my hero. I actually had a guest on yesterday that worked for Norman Lear, was a writer on a couple of his shows. I love the way he celebrated all these different uh, different ethnicities and diversities and Puerto Rican and black and white through all of his shows. Talk about what the Imogen Awards means to you and your work with that. So, you know, when I got approached to work with these awards, which is probably about three years ago, it's one of those things that, you know, this award show was on my vision board. It's something that I really wanted to be a part of because, you know, it's the only award show that honors Latinos in TV and film, you know? Right. Um, and when I finally got the call and, and they asked me to be a part of it, you know, it was, it was just a perfect fit. And I knew I was meant to work on this creative team, you know? Um, but when I walk in and, you know, and then the first two people that I meet is Norman Lear and Kenny Ortega, two Hollywood oh, legends, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, you, you know, you do a double take because, you know, I grew up watching All in the Family. I grew up watching Good Times and everything Norman Lear has put on television. That represented so much of who I was. And when when you get to sit down with this man and even have a chat for five minutes, Scott, you understand the genius that's behind this man. And for the first time in my life, I felt that I met a, a power player in Hollywood who's Caucasian, who is colorblind. Oh, you know, he he saw he's he's always seen greatness in everyone who is great. And that's all he cared about. And, you know, he lives, he lives by that to this day. And mind you, you know, the man's like 90 years old, still producing right. shows with underrepresented communities, you know. So, yeah, you know, he, he's amazing. Such a trailblazer. Well, that is awesome. And I'm so glad you're working with such a, an amazing person, amazing organization, and speaking of great people to work with, I mean, you just make me smile every time I see you and Gina Rodriguez and something together, whether it's your FabFitFun commercials or when you dance with her on Ellen or on Jane the Virgin. 
talk about that friendship and you guys just light each other up, man. <laughs> well, listen, you know, that's my baby sister, you know, like, um, you know, most people don't know Gina and I met each other when she was nine years old and I was 11. We both grew up in Chicago. No. Um, our our parents were friends. Yeah. Our parents were friends and we became best friends at that age. And I was like the only boy that could ever stay the night, you know, because she she comes from a house full of girls, you know, it's her and her two <laughs> sisters. Um, but you know, her and I were so tight, and and you know, fortunately, we had two parents. Cause you know, Scott, growing up in the Latin culture, to explain to our parents that we want to be a dancer, a choreographer, an actor. It's not it's not something that they see feasible or viable, you know. For for some, you know, mm. they came here to survive, you know. So what they know was like, do good in school, stay in school, then you know, get you know, become a teacher, become you know, one of those trades. So to have two parents that understood what what well, maybe they didn't understand, but they allowed us to live this dream out. We were very lucky, you know, and our entire journey has been together. You know, Gina went to school to NYU while I started my first world tour. After that, I moved to New York. You know, I've always followed her where she's gone because she's also like my big little sister at this point, you know, and, <laughs> and probably the best ma- and probably the best manager I've ever had. You know, like she she really holds me down. But you know, to be able to live this portion of our dream together, God is um. It's the dream on top of the dream coming true, you know. Um, you 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 would always want to hope that you can do this next to somebody that that did this with you since you were a kid. And Gina and I have been able to do that. You know, when, whenever we're on set together, Scott, there's always that moment where we gaze over at each other, which is very dramatic. But you know, we always <laughs> say like, "Wow, we're here and we're here together," you know. And 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 it, and it does become an emotional moment because, you know, growing up where we grew up, this was a far-fetched chance. You know, this was, you know, no one was going to guarantee this, and and not for both of us. You know, right. and um, and it happened, and we're here. You know, and and I think that's what you see whenever you when you when everyone sees us dancing together. It's just there is there is an immense love and respect for each other. And we're, we live extremely grateful still to this day that we get to do this. That is so sweet. I love that. And as I said, it shows in your face. You can tell. I only know her from interviews, obviously. And she is always so generous and grateful. So good on both of your hearts, man. That is, that's so great to hear. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. And let's of start course. going into Thank some you. of your dancing here. Um, I want to talk about a few things here. Let's talk about Shine on Amazon Prime. It's playing right now, guys. You can go check this out. You were nominated for both a Cheeto Award. And if you don't know who Cheeto Rivera is, we're going to talk after the show. People out there listening. <laughs> and also a World Choreography Award for Outstanding Choreography in a Film. Congratulations. Talk about this show. Film. Well, well, you know, Shine, man. It was, it was probably the biggest passion project I have been a part of since I moved to Los Angeles. You know, it it, it was an indie film that was brought to the table. Um, 
which, you know, has to do with gentrification in Spanish Harlem in New York and the struggles of gentrification within a family, um, you know, uh, and it was, it's just, it's part of my story, you know, it's part of my story of life. So when this project was brought to me and that they're, they were focusing on pushing Latin dance and Latin music with the story of Latinos and Blacks in Spanish Harlem, it was, you know, it was just the perfect fit. Um, the project took a long time, you know, as most indie films do. You know, we, we did a lot of fundraising for our film, and, and we, we basically shot that film with a shoestring budget, you know. But there was so much love and passion behind it that, you know, we made it happen. And it took us four years to finally get it into theaters, but it was so worth the wait, Scott. And, and you know, just one of my greatest accomplishments, you know, and, and which is where you realize in life, right, that for some people their, their biggest paycheck will be their greatest accomplishment, and that's not the case for me. It, it, it was a project like Shine that I feel was my greatest accomplishment, you know. And and it definitely, Amazing. you know, it opened a lot of eyes and it opened a lot of ears to, to understand that the movie is not just about a Latin story. It's an American story, you know. And and people sometimes uh, forget that you know, Puerto Ricans and Blacks have so much to do with what the building of New York City was, you know. And 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 part of the fabric that built New York City. And so we're just telling another American story that is underrepresented and never told. That is so. Great. It, it was, I love that. Yeah, it was so many wins across the board, Scott, with that film, you know. And and then to be, you know, garnered with these two nominations, which, listen, you know, Scott, when you're an artist, when you're a true artist, right, um, any accolades that come, they're welcomed and, and they're very humbling to to receive because, you know, it's not why I do what I do, you know. Sure. I'm a kid yeah. from Humboldt Park who just wanted to dance, you know, and that dance was my escape. It, it's where I was re- able to release my rage, my happiness, my pain. Um, there's a different attachment to my art. It was never about becoming famous, you know, and, and what is famous anyway, you know, like, but that's another conversation we can have. But, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm just grateful to share an art that I, I didn't have another choice in life. This is what it was meant to be, you know? And that I get to so live it every day has been a blessing. That, that I've been able to make a living out of it has been a blessing. And then to receive any recognition for, for my hard work is just, you know, yes, it's amazing to know that Hollywood took notice, you know, that, that I arrived, but I arrived in the most humble and genuine way, you know, and, and, and they received my message through dance, you know. So that's what those nominations meant for me, you know. And then being nominated next to movies like Mary Poppins or The Nutcracker with Misty Copeland, listen, you know, I'm just... I feel, I, I still can't believe, you know, and, 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 and understand how I say this, Scott. I am super confident in what I do, and I know what I do, I do well because I've worked really hard 
to be good at what I do. You know what I'm saying? I, this was not – I didn't get to roll out of bed and say I'm a dancer. I worked my ass off to be one, you know, and worked even That's harder right. to become a choreographer that had something to offer, you know. So well, the fact that – the fact that this happened and, and I was recognized in that way, super humbled. And, and you know, at the same time, I, I will say for anyone who works hard, you also feel deserving, you know, and, and deserving again in the most humble way. But, you know, a lot of us work hard at what we do, you know, and it was just, it was a beautiful moment. Got to receive 20 years into my career. Well, congratulations, my friend. So well-deserved and, I really do love how humble you are at this. I mean, what was the thought going through your head when you're getting your picture taken with Cheetah Rivera? That had to be a moment. Okay. So, well, well, the thing is, got that for the past eight years, I've had, I've had probably like five of these moments where I still can't believe that this is my life right now. <laughs> you know, um, you know, when I met Debbie Allen and I was brought to the table to work with her. This is like the woman I grew up dancing with on television, you know, like, like <laughs> she's from fame. It's, it's Debbie Allen, you know, and, and even to right. this day, it's going to be it's six years now. And as Scott, sometimes I sit across from her in a meeting and I'm just like, Lyric, how the hell did you get here? <laughs> You're sitting with Debbie Allen, you know? Um, so, it. you know, I've had so many of those moments, which I'm again, so grateful for. Through Norman Lear, you know, I've met Rita Moreno, who, you know, as a Puerto Rican is just another, a national treasure, you know. And then oh, when, when I. She's so funny one day at a time. I'm sorry to interrupt. I love her <laughs> one day at a time. That entire show is yeah, so good. No, I'm sorry. Go no, on. But I, I, I'm a amazing. Rita Moreno fan. Yeah. And so then comes the Cheetah Rivera Awards. And then they tell me. Um, Lyric, do you mind coming with us? Cheetah would like to meet you. I'm like, do uh-huh. I mind? <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, she knows who I am. Like that's, you know, it's, oh, Scott, you, you can't, you can't imagine these things will happen. You know, you're just so oh, grateful man. that they did. You know, of course, you know, to stand there and tell Cheetah, to be able to tell your heroes, right? And in my situ- in my case, my heroes have always been women, you know, have always been women. Women have always been the strong force behind my work ethic, behind my life, behind my success. So the fact that I've been able to tell just about all of them face-to-face what they had, what they did to help shape who I was is is incredible, you know. And, and you know, just cheat us, you know, 83 years old, still full of energy. She still performed at those award shows too, by the way, you know? Oh, my goodness. Just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, you, you, you just understand why these women are forces of nature, you know? And, um, and just surreal, you know, Scott, it's something that I will – I use that word so much because it's just what it's been. It feels like an ongoing dream, you know, that I'm just so grateful to be living in. Well, let's name drop a little bit more, my friend, because you're about to come into <laughs> In the Heights next year. We have Lin-Manuel yeah. Miranda, Jimmy Smith, and Mark Anthony, legends. Then Anthony Ramos, right. the most cutest man on the planet. Alex Wong, Absolutely. another amazing dancer. 
Stephanie Beatrice been in so much things. And Daphne Rubin Vega, hello, Rent, my favorite show of all time. Uh-huh. Talk about the In the yeah. Heights experience. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> my experience with In the Heights got was a journey, but a journey that I'm happy that I went on. You know, there's certain projects, right, that you just feel that are meant for you. And sometimes you have to fight a little bit more for them, you know. There's other projects okay. that I knew were just always like, well, I'm lucky if I get it. If I don't, I'm fine. And I'll end up getting right. them, you know. Um, within the Heights, I went through a, a, a very grueling process. But, you know, at the end of the day, I fought for for a project that I know I was meant to be a part of. And I'm super grateful to to John Chu, the director, and to the choreographer, Christopher Scott, who at the end just realized that I also needed to be a part of the film, you know? And, um, and awesome. I'm going to tell you how that happened. I, you know, after months of auditioning and callbacks, and I got put on hold, and they were, I got the green light, but then they, I never heard back from them. They start filming. At this point, me and my agents are still trying to figure out, like, how do we get you there? I fly myself to New York. I fly myself to New York because I'm like, this needs to happen. I've never wanted a project so much, you know? And and even flying to New York, still, no go, no answer, no nothing. I come back home. A week after I come back, I get a call at 5 o'clock in the morning that says, we want to know if you're available to shoot. And I'm like, yes, I am. You know, obviously, it's the first thing I said. They were like, I was like, okay, but for when do you guys need me there? They're like, well, your call time will be tomorrow at 6 in the morning. Oh, my gosh. I got that phone call at 5 in the morning. I got my agents to confirm everything at 11 a.m., and I was on a flight at 3 p.m. to make my call time. My my flight landed at 5, and I made my call time at 6.30. And that's how my journey with the night started. I love that. Oh, my gosh. That is so great. Oh, very cool. All right. Well, we're starting to run out of time. We need to get into the big event here um, this week. Let's talk about Penny Dreadful. It's on its uh, new season, and it looks freaking amazing. I have not seen it yet because I am too poor to afford short showtime right now but I have too much yeah. other streaming I'm paying for. But talk to me about this season of Penny Dreadful and what that experience has been like. Oh, my God. Scott, I have to tell you, if, if, if for anyone who's tuning in, if you have not gotten into this show, you have to. What a great production to have worked on. What an amazing producer. What an amazing choreographer. And, you know, Scott, at this point in my career, I you know, it's rare the jobs that I do as a dancer, you know, because I'm mostly choreographed. But sure. on projects that I, that I feel strong about, I will still tell my agents to pitch me for. Um, Tommy Tong is the choreographer, and what we created for these dance scenes, it is – I cannot wait for Sunday night for all of you to see because it is probably one of the most powerful dance scenes that you have ever seen in narrative television. That I can tell you. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. Wow. Congratulations. Tell me how that came about. How'd that project come about? Um, Well, you know, I had missed the auditions because I was on a job, 
listen, I I always have like this this uh, mega story that goes behind everything, but the point of how it. I work, Scott, the way that I, the way that this works out for me is just that. Scott, nothing was ever given to me in my life. Everything that I have, I've worked really hard for, and I'm okay with that, you know? That is, that's my journey, and I accept what I, the gift on top of the gift that I was given, and it's, it's my fight and the resilience, you know? And when things, um, you know, I had missed the auditions. It, it looked like it wasn't going to work out, but I pressed my agents. I was like, can you ask them if we could send a submission tape I just want them to know what I dance like and know that I'm interested, you know? And maybe uh, a week before they went into production, again, I got the phone call and they were like, you know, they're like, Lyric, they want you. And all the dancers have been confirmed for months already. But then I um, I got the phone call and, you know, and I will tell you that I can't be happier of what beautiful that whole experience was. Um, you know, it, it was uh, they they casted about a hundred dancers, which is why I'm telling you this dance scene that you guys are about to see, it is so powerful because you have a hundred of the best swing and Latin dancers that work in Los Angeles in one scene. So mm. you know, it, it it was just beautiful to work on. You know, it was such an easy easy project to be on. The excitement was through the roof. It was that kind of project. That sounds amazing. I mean, it's such a popular series when it came on. And Penny Dreadfuls, for what you guys don't know, this is based on British. It's a a British book type thing. It's about kind of a mix of horror and drama and everything all together. And this new season is called City of Angels. So it's kind of set in the L.A. area, right? It's not British anymore, right? Yeah, well, well, this this is the beauty of, of... being part of the project is just that this series in, um, focuses on Chicano culture in Los Angeles during the 20s and 30s. Right. You know? So, so it is, it's shining such a huge light on a forgotten culture here in Los Angeles. You know? So, uh, yeah, it serves so many purposes, which is why I'm just, I'm so honored to have been a part of it. Well, I'm excited for my listeners to see you. If you guys are able to watch Showtime, this Sunday is going to be the big dance number here featuring our buddy um, Lyric here. I'm so excited for you, man. Um, What projects do you have? I mean, everything in the entertainment industry is on hold right now. What do you have anything you're looking forward to starting back up again or what, what, what should we look for in the future here? Well, you know, Scott, right before this um this happened, I was um I was scheduled to work on a Netflix series in Chicago, which I have been praying for a job in Chicago for a long time because my family is still there. And um okay. it finally came to me and in days it was taken away. But you know what, Oscar, more than anything, um the entertainment industry, you know, we're here, we're alive and we're well. We're being patient. Um, you know, what we want to make sure is that when we get back on set and when we get back to work, that it's safe, that it's safe for everybody, that it's safe for us. And we're just ready to create more art and more content and more happiness for all of you, you know. So I'm looking forward to just things picking up right where they left off and all of us being back on set and creating the magic that we create. 
Well, you're doing it now, my friend. As I said, the Instagram live show are great. You're giving awesome dance lessons and tips to the masses um, for free. I mean, you, if they want to tip, chip in, they can chip in. But talk about the days they can be looking for that and when they, where they can find you on social media in general. Okay, so all of my social media handles are at Lyric Cruz, L-Y-R-I-K-C-R-U-Z. And I do my free Instagram Live um, class every Friday at 2 o'clock Pacific time. Um, And, you know, every Friday we do something new. It's my Friday dance party. It's just my way to contribute a little bit of happiness to the world right now and get everybody to dance. So, I really hope I get to see all of you online and you guys can join me next Friday. Well, Eric, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the Leftist Trade Show for the very first time. You have to come back, my friend. You're amazing. Yes, it was my pleasure, Scott. And thank you so much for opening up this platform for so many of us. You know, your work is appreciated. And I can't wait to see you in Palm Springs. For sure, for sure. I appreciate that, my friend. Well, stay on the line for me. Guys, be sure to check out Kenny Dreadful this Sunday on Showtime. Look for that. We're going to play out in honor of uh, Lyric Latino Heritage. We're going to play our good friend Brandon and James, who are going to be on the show this Monday. This is their English-Spanish version of Wicked Game. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network.
Thanks again to Brandon James with Wicked Game. Guys, I'm very happy to have my next guest back on the show. He's just one of the best humans on the planet. From his heart to his talent, he really has it all from working cruise ships, singing and dancing, to acting, writing, and directing. He's balanced all of his professional work by just being an all-around great guy. Besides handling his own career, he's basically the brains behind the scenes of our great buddy Del Shore's operations all the while raising his adorable little puppy child. Please welcome back to the show, the hardest working ginger I know, Mr. Matt Hayes. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> the, uh, my, Porter Wagger is very thankful you gave him a nod in that intro. I would have to, you have to give a shout out to Porter. I mean, he is so featured <laughs> in everything I see because, you know, I'm an Instagram stalker and he is a uh-huh. big part of that. So he has to be acknowledged. He, is, he deserves yeah. it. He has his own Instagram, in fact. I have not followed that yet. I followed the little bitches. I didn't know Porter had his own. Oh, oh yeah. He's I got his own Instagram. He's a shady little bitch, so watch out. Nice. I got to follow. Hey, buddy, how are you holding up? I mean, COVID-19, quarantine, Corona 2020. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I am. Um, I'm prob- I mean, I, I have made it a, a, a point to come out of this. Um, not the same as I went into it. And so I've really taken advantage of the downtime and home time by just checking things off my, my goals list. I've, you know, I've been cooking all the time. I've been really good about my workouts and um, just, I don't know. I, I'm actually probably the, the most stable and happy that I have felt in a long time. That is so awesome to hear. I love that. I am living for your, uh, yoga and your piano playing, um, very very cool. Talk about yeah. uh, talk about the health part in yoga. How long have you been doing that? Um, well, I never really did yoga or Pilates until the the lockdown. Um, and so I, you know, with gyms closed, I, I wanted to stay active. So I, um, you know, started just looking up things to do online, workout wise, and I found these teachers that just I don't know. It, it actually took my workouts to a whole new level because it incorporates a lot of the the spirituality and the, the psychology with your workouts, which I just never really mm-hmm. found helpful or beneficial. But, um, you know, during all this, I, I have found those things beneficial. So I've really enjoyed, like, I actually don't think that I'll go to the gym for the foreseeable future. 
um, I'm canceling my membership and going to maybe look for a studio to do some classes at. But um, I just love these Pilates and bar classes that I've been taking. I love that. That's very cool. I've been following yeah. different things online because, you know, I've been on my weight loss journey and kind of hit a plateau right before this happened. And I've been trying different things out there. So I've been kind of following along to different people doing some great workouts over Instagram yeah. live and some are way past my comfort and education level, uh, my right. fitness level. Some are pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Stretching is always good. I've, I like trying to get flexible again. So I'm enjoying watching you. It looks, it looks very calming to me that you're, that you're yeah, enjoying it. It's been, it's been very beneficial to my mental health. I think. That's great. I love that. Yeah, we've talked about our mental health journeys before. You've been very open and honest about it. I've been open about mine. I actually talked to therapists for the first time in two years when this first started happening, just to make sure I was oh kind God. of Congrats. in a good. Well, when I when I did my web weight light loss surgery two years ago, one of the rules is you have to go to a therapist for at least three sessions before you can get the surgery. So I went I to this fantastic so lady. Yeah, it, it was very cool. I went to this amazing lady um, by where I'm at here, and I really enjoyed talking to her. And so I, you only had to do three for your weight loss, and I went to her for, I think, three months or so. I think I went every other week, so I went to maybe 12 of them. And I yeah. haven't talked to her since then, so it's been about two years. And I thought when this was first starting to come up, it's like, I want to make sure that I get through this okay. And maybe I should be talking to somebody. And so I I remembered her and I called her up to see if she was taking any clients. And she said, well, we're going to be doing stuff via Zoom now or Skype, whatever. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm Mm -hmm. totally open for that. So I talk with her every two weeks, um, twice. And just to kind of, she gave me a lot of coping skills. And then I have another session scheduled with her. Um, next week, as a matter of fact, just to kind That's of see so how I've done for the four weeks between time. So it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's like a mental checkup kind of just, I think it's so important to check on these things. And I've loved your Absolutely. journey on it. And it's really made me be able to embrace my own. So thank you for that. Oh, good. Yeah. That's what I mean. You know, like it's social media. So of course there's a, like a, an air of indulgence about it, but you know, I do, I just feel like it's, it's helped me so much. Um, and I'm also really proud of like some of the accomplishments I've made through the stretches and stuff, things that I never thought, you know, and I, I used to dance some, but I never, you know, could do some of the things that I'm doing now with these classes. And so, um, you know, the older I get, the, the more proud I am of whatever I can do with my body before, you know, um, that I could do before. So, yeah. Very cool. And you've got some great masks for some friends. I like your different masks you're sporting for me. Those are pretty fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a store here in L.A. or in uh, Los Feliz called uh, EK, uh, like like Spanish for like and more like Y Q U E, and they it's a quirky little like odds and ends shop um, that's been there for who knows how long, and they do screen printing as well. But you know, during this time, the the guy that owns it has been screen printing masks with uh you know just social socially and culturally relevant things that we all know so you know there's a lot of like the tiger king masks and there's the Shit's creek masks and um he's got other things going on but uh i 
I have been trying my hardest to support small business during this time, and so I was happy to throw him some bills. There you go. I like. I have my buddy Paul Richmond is an artist, and he does amazing kind of uh, oil paintings, and he he made some masks of some of his uh, paintings, and so I have my share oh, mask coming tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to getting shared tomorrow. And he does yeah. a Cheesecake Boy series, which is kind of like uh, a takeoff on the pinup girls of the 40s and stuff, but with different guys in different uh, oh, cool. poses. And it's very cute. So I've got a couple of masks Sweet. coming from him tomorrow. Talk about your cooking right. journey. Anything that you're experimenting with or enjoying uh, learning about or playing with? Yeah. You know, there's, there's a creativity in cooking that I never really considered before. I just, to me, um, cooking is the means to what I really enjoy, which is eating. And so I've, you know, been playing with like the, the, the science of, of flavors and spices and, what, and whatever, but I've really enjoyed learning how to fry foods. And, uh, and you know, which is funny because I'm Southern and I never knew how to fry foods. And now um, <laughs> I am wiping my counters with the oil that's on them. Um, from frying foods weekly, and I, um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I love chicken fingers at my house. <laughs> That's awesome, and I think we talked online too. You use the air fryer too, right? I love my air fryer. I've been using. It I am a huge proponent of the air fryer. Everyone needs to get an air fryer. I use it more than my microwave. I reheat things in it. I cook things in it. I mean, it can do anything. It's truly a magical little spaceship that sits atop your counter. That's been my experimenting during the, the quarantine is I've been experimenting with coatings for um, from re- lean chicken and pork and doing Ooh. different flavor combinations with spices, getting some panko yeah. breadcrumbs and experimenting with different spices and uh, doing a little egg wash and putting those in the air fryer. And they've been, there's been some tasty creations coming out of that. I, I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. I have to admit. Yeah. What's your go-to awesome. comfort food? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty trashy, Scott. So I, uh, it's, I, I just, I mean, if you can set me down at Arby's, uh, I'm good to go or pizza hut, Papa John's, Dom, I mean, any pizza, any Mexican food, Arby's, Chili's, Olive Garden. <laughs> I've been so <laughs> indulgent with my, with my diet during all this. Cause like, why not? You know? <laughs> now, are you a pizza purist? One or two toppings? Or are you just like a drag to the kitchen? Absolutely. And see what happens, Absolutely. No, just pepperoni, <laughs> maybe sausage. Gotcha. I mean, there's definitely. And what's your, what side of the pineapple do, debate do you fall on? Um, never belongs on a pizza, first of all. Uh, but I do, <laughs> I, I do love cooking um, like peri peri dishes with pineapple. So I'll do like some um, peri peri chicken um, with some uh, peri peri spice and some Pyrenees, and I'll put some pineapple, diced pineapple in that as well. Maybe make it a wrap, maybe make it a bowl. Um, but I do love the, like, the spicy and pineapple and chicken combination. There you go. Yeah, pineapple on pizza is definitely um, – there's been divorces over that, I think. But anyway. <laughs> no, it would, li- it would literally prevent me from dating somebody, I think. <laughs> I like it. I mean, maybe I'm not now because, like, next you know, things are pretty desperate. At but... nine. I miss that like crazy. I'm looking for oh, a good yeah. 849. <laughs> well, let's talk about last time you were on, 
Cognitive was just blowing up all the film festivals. You had a great year last year. Talk about that, how proud you are of that. Give everyone a quick little reminder what that's about. Any plans for it this year? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Cognitive for sure was a career and life changer for me. Um, a little short that, that could and did and still is. Uh, yeah, we ended up, my gosh, I've not even like talked about these numbers in ages. I think we're at 34 film festivals total. And wow. maybe it's maybe it's twenty four. <laughs> I need to look at this actually. It's a lot though. <laughs> I mean, we ended up winning, <laughs> and we ended up winning five festivals for best shorts. Um, and it was arranged from you know a couple gay festivals, but most of them were straight festivals that we got into. Um, not, I, I hate to say straight festivals, but mainstream film festivals. Um, sure. And just I I was blown away at the at the um, at the reaction to this film and. Um, ended up getting uh, two distribution deals. Uh, one of them is uh, we're, we're streaming online uh, or on Apple TV and Roku on an app called Deku, which is LGBTQ media. Um, and I think there's a seven-day free trial you can actually sign up for. And then you can see my film. Um, Dell's film that I produced is also up on there. Um, and then we, I also today just got a contract for another um, streaming service that we're going to be probably going there as well. So it's good. And then we're also um, thanks. Yeah. And then also uh, Jessalyn Gilsig and I, we are adapting it to series. And so we're working on the pilot right now um, after getting some pretty heavy interest from, from some, some folks in, in La La Land. So yeah, we'll see what happens with it. That is amazing. Congratulations on that. Such yeah, a well thanks. put together film and Getting accolades all over the place. You should be very, very proud, my friend. That's fantastic. I am. I'm very proud and very thankful. Very good. Well, and then another thing I noticed online while we were talking back and forth is you're doing these workshops now online during this while this mm-hmm. is happening. Have you been doing this a long time, or just something you wanted to start no. up during the lockdown? But talk about these. They look amazing. You have a lot of people going to them, and talk about yeah. what well, uh, you um, offer them. It ended up being coming out of a place of just wanting to provide respite to a lot of the parents I know who are um, having to homeschool their kids during all this time. And so I had just, you know, made some toast and said, hey, you know, if you're because to me, what I was fearful uh, for these kids was, you know, when they lose their fine art extracurricular subjects, you know, that that can be the only place where some of these creative kids feel safe. And right. you don't have that, and your parents might not know how to support that endeavor and, and, and passion, it can really depress a kid and, and stunt growth, I think. And so I just put a post out to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to offer, you know, because I, I coach here in L.A. full time, and um, I'm going to offer my services for free to any kids that are affected by the COVID crisis. So um, I got a lot of kids signed up for that and just getting to work with them on you know, monologues or songs or anything that just made them feel creative and, and something they could work on. And then from there, um, I just was le- discovering that um, outside of L.A., a lot of other film market actors do not know how to self-tape. And self-tapes are going to be the name of the game for a long time. And um, I coach a lot of self-tapes here. So I, um, Dell had convinced me to, Dell Shores convinced me to um, set up a workshop. And I thought, you know, nobody's going to do this. This is not needed. And um, lo and behold, you know, three workshops later, where uh, I mean, I just <laughs> I'm fascinated at um, the need for qual- for how to do an, a quality self tape. And a lot of it is 
you know, it, it's a lot of um, elderly people who are actors and having to self-tape for the first time. And a lot of it's parents who want to better understand how to self-tape their kids at home. Um, but it's been really rewarding to do and to get to know a lot of young actors all over the world um, through these workshops and, and just getting connected with it, connect with them and, you know, just see, you know, the next generation of, of filmmakers and, and actors. That's amazing. And I think it is um, going to change the entire industry, this, uh, this yeah. quarantine lockdown. Uh, people mm-hmm. have found out what is possible to do from home and online. Uh, there's going to yeah. be new technology emerging because of that. Uh, where do you see the most dramatic changes happening possibly in the future? Um, gosh, I, I, I see a lot of it uh, in, I don't I mean, I think it's all pretty even spread, I, you know, because it's, it's things like, you know, there's not going to really be background actors anymore. You're not going to have, you know, shows written, you know, with school scenes or with football game scenes because they can't have those. And if you do, it's all going to be CGI. Um, I also see the studios not wanting to have um, film on location. And I, so because they can, it's harder to control your set when it's on location. So I see a lot of people um, bringing it back to the studios. But I also, uh, you know, a lot of these states who don't respect science and they don't respect um, the health of its citizens uh, are opening up their, their economy again. And I, I wonder and fear that production might start shifting to non-union work where they don't have to follow any rules and they might be shifting to non-film markets or small film markets where, you know, people are desperate to work without, um, you know, any union representation. And so I've actually contacted right. Dag just to, to, just to say, like, what are you doing to prevent this? Because this is, I mean, I, I see it happening already and I just, I don't want it to go further. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, there's a lot, you know, we, I'll, I'll hear, I mean, everybody here in LA is kind of like hearing things and, you know, there's, it's a bit of a rumor weed, of course, but um, yeah, there are some major changes to be anticipated. Uh, in-person auditions are not, are, they're going to be a thing of the past, I think for a while, um, especially pre-reads and, and first reads. So right. uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's changing for sure. And that's the thing I'm afraid of is I think we are going to get over this, once we get a vaccine, which could still be a year and a half to two years away, and I think things, but it's going to it's going to create a new normal that may stay normal that you don't want to be normal, because mm-hmm. if they start doing this and learning how to do it now, who knows when anyone want to go back to what they had before, especially if they find it saving money or something like that. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it how it kind of pans out. Yeah. Um, when you're teaching these classes, what are some of the things you're surprised that people don't know, surprised that people actually do know and are doing well already? Um, I'm not really surprised by anything because, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm pretty aware of, of the, of, of, I mean, cause things that people struggle with, you know, with acting as self-taping in Tennessee are the same things they're struggling with here. In LA, so um, it's not that I'm surprised by anything. If anything, I'm, I'm encouraged that people still want to get creative and find ways to get their work out, um, which I think is how you, you know. Because during this time, you either come out of it shining or you come out really behind. And uh, so right. these, you know, folks I'm working with are clearly, um, you know, taking initiative in their own careers and livelihoods, and 
and doing what it takes to, to, to adapt to this new normal, to this, you know, whatever the future holds in our industry. Um, Cause that's, that's what it takes is, is the ability to adapt. And I, I'm, I'm quite encouraged by what I'm seeing. Very nice. I love hearing that. And what do you have once we get through this? What do you have on the horizon? What projects did you have that were put on hold that you're hoping to open back up again? And what things yeah. do you have on plan that we're hopefully moved back? Well, I, the week we got shut down, actually, I was I had booked uh, a film and I mean a small role, but um, they, you know, they shut down production indefinitely. And uh, thankfully, I, I still got paid for it. But I'm hoping, you know, that we still get to shoot it. Um, so that would be, you know, hopefully sometime this summer. But you know, the things that we're hearing here are July, August for production in LA. Okay. So. Um, that would, you know, but there's already such a backlog also of productions and, um, there's not enough space here to shoot all the things that have been backed up. So I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I mean, and and nobody here seems to, and our unions are not really saying anything about it. So I don't know. Um, we, we will see. (laughs) Very interesting indeed. Goodness gracious. And are you writing, uh, do you have another project you're writing on, or are you just concentrating on getting the teleplay done for your show? For We're pretty focused on, on the pilot and just trying to make sure that it's, it's as perfect as we can get it, you know, at least to ourselves before we start sending it off. Um, but, you know, I, I do so many other things, just trying to stay, you know, afloat and fruitful and, and, and happy um, that are not necessarily industry-related. So, I, you know, I, I love spending time with my dog you know, reading a lot, drinking a lot of wine, um, you know, getting stoned and playing online, you know, video games with friends, stuff like that. So There you go. Um, have you yeah, seen... I, I, you know, the thing about the industry, I think you have to, it, it's so important for artists to have other interests that ground them because this industry is an industry that you don't really separate yourself from or some, your personal life from your professional life. And so I think you've right. got to have things that are almost like your secret you know what I mean? Like it's almost like you're in a relationship how, you know, when two people get together, you still have to maintain your individuality. And so I think if you give everything away of yourself, like what's left. So I, I try really hard to take care of myself and to do some self-care and, you know, um, drive over to the beach just to drive down the road and, you know, enjoy the fresh air and all that stuff. So I, I do a lot. Yeah. I love that. I, I told you off air, I do that every three or four days. I will, yeah. Pack a lunch, or I will stop and and do a local restaurant, mom and pop restaurant, and get a takeout lunch, and go to a secluded yeah. lake or park or something, and do a nice little walk and have a little date with me. So I I like that, and yeah. I and I definitely believe in individuality. I mean, as far as and I think that's probably one of my greatest strengths or greatest weaknesses. Whenever I've been a couple, whenever I've been in a relationship, is I expect the other person to have their anonymity and then me have my enemy and then it's gel together with our own kind of being. And there's not a lot of people that can mm-hmm. handle that for some reason. They either want to be yeah. totally together or totally themselves. And it just doesn't always work. So it's, it's an interesting balance. Oh yeah. That is for sure. I, I totally get that. Yep. Now you had something that kind of sparked my thought for a second. You were talking about uh, uh, having a, having a little smoke or two. And we're talking about cooking earlier. Have you seen the cook with cannabis show on Netflix? No, but now I have to look it up because you need to look it up. 
These are people cooking and getting high at the same time as some of the best television on Netflix right now. It's called I'm Cooked sure. I can not only imagine Canada. what kind of stuff they come up with. It is fun. You need to check that out and let me know how you liked it for sure. I will. Very, very cool. I like it. All right. Well, I just wanted to check in. I'm trying to check it out. That's the beauty of my job here is, unfortunately, for all of my friends that are in the business that are in downtime, I've been going crazy talking to everybody, but it's, it's, it's good for me to check in with people and see how they're doing. And I love showing innovative ways that people are, are, are going through this corona. And I love that you're doing these classes. And where can they follow you on social media and where can they find out more information about this and hopefully sign up for one of the future ones? Yeah, I'm all over the Facebook and the Instagram and the Twitter. Uh, my handle is uh, Hayes on it. My last name is Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S on it. Um, O-N-I-T. So yeah, there, and, uh, you'll see a lot of, uh, maybe some stoned videos where I'm just ranting about how Pringles are better than Lay's stacks, or I'm showing you how to so good. do some, <laughs> some laundry or who knows. <laughs> oh, I'm God. a mess on there, Scott. You are hilarious. I love it. All right, well, I've been doing pre-tape interviews a lot and playing little five questions. Before I let you go, I want to play a little goofy five questions with you. you Let's you up do more? it. Yeah. All righty. All right. The uh, Left of Straight Show is all about entertainment, foodies, and books, so we always like to start off with my favorite subject, food, which we've talked about already. Um, I yes, need God. to have a favorite food, even though you might have said when I want a different favorite food, and I want you to give the listeners a favorite restaurant to check out next time they're in the L.A. area. Oh my God. Okay. I just found my new favorite place. It's called Dave's Hot Chicken. It is, okay. They have this menu option called the two slider and fries meal. To me, sliders suggest a a tiny sandwich. Well, I ordered two sliders and fries meal and I ordered two extra sliders thinking like, oh, four sliders, that's enough, right? (laughs) When they say slider, they mean a rotisserie on a bun. It is a huge sandwich. So I had these four massive chicken sandwiches that lasted me two days. Um, but it has like this kale slaw on it and this like Dave's special chicken sauce. And it is to die for. I have told everyone about it. I'm obsessed. Uh, I think they have three locations across Los Angeles, but it is bomb. I like it. That's going to be my next place to go. Very, very cool. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> oh. And I know you are a good reader. Give a favorite book, author, or genre you recommend to my listeners that they might be wanting to check out. Steve Barry is my favorite fiction author. Um, he, I, I hate comparing him to Dan Brown because I actually think he's way better than Dan Brown. Um, but all his books are, are based in historical lore or events or, or figures and then mixed with conspiracy, um, not the way that, like, you know, um, that stupid pandemic video did, but like conspiracies and like th- just things that interest people and just, and he had, it's the series uh, that follows the same few characters, but um, he's just such a good author and you just visualize everything he writes and um, it's all like, very, you know, international travel and it's, it's just, it's so fun and so great. It just takes you to a whole new world. Fantastic. All right. And as a writer, I want you to pick, any character from TV or movies that you would like to write a new story about? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, my favorite 
two shows are Six Feet Under and uh, Battlestar Galactica. So Ooh, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe Michael C. Hall's character from Six Feet Under, but only because I want to play, I want, I, I want to play that character. Like I, that's, that character honestly <laughs> is, is what made me want to move from stage performance to TV film. That's one of the, I mean, that show truly is one of the reasons I moved to Los Angeles to pursue this. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe him. I love that. Dirk Benedict is why I first thought I was gay, I think, because I'm older than you. And he was, uh, at the time, very, very attractive. And I remember yeah. I saw him. I actually got his autograph back in the day when they used to do Battle of the Network Stars. Do you ever remember that? Was that in your time yeah, at all? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I got to meet Dirk Benedict. That was very, very cool. All right. Wow. And then we're down to our last two questions. And they are possibly the most important questions, Matt. Um Question number four, what is your favorite or most used emoji when texting? Um, it is the just this, this basic laugh. I, I actually am known for, like, doing old school emoticons. Like, instead of doing a smiley face, I'll do a colon, a hyphen, and a parenthesis. Um, so I, I'm pretty old-fashioned when it comes to emoji use. I like that. You're the second one out of about 10 that have done that. Very good. Very good. <laughs> I like it. And finish it up here today. Um, this is another one, just like pizza and pineapple, very controversial. Peanut butter, creamy or crunchy? See, to me, they're they're incomparable. I mean, there's a time and a place. Um <laughs> I don't know. On a sandwich, I say creamy for sure. Um, but if I were going to do like, you know, peanut butter and a banana, I would probably do crunchy just to break up the texture. Um, if I'm making it for cookies, I'd probably use crunchy just to add some texture. That is the perfect answer because I don't want to tear my bread. And so creamy is the best bread peanut butter there is. And I do like texture yes. in my food. Good yeah, answer. Absolutely. Good answer. Matt Hayes, thanks for playing five questions. I appreciate it, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me play five questions. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have Matt back hopefully when we uh, get to Palm Springs here this summer. We'll see what happens there. Yes. Matt, thanks so much for calling in to the Leftist Race Show today. I always appreciate talking to you, my friend. I always appreciate being here, Scott. It's so good to hear your voice. Good to hear your stand the line for me. Guys, we're going to play out little music. When I come back, I'm going to be talking to Tanner Zipchen, the pre-gamer of all the movies in Canada. He is on over 1,300 screens in Canada doing these uh, before movie interviews, and he's absolutely amazing. So stick around for that. I'll finish up. Put in a good word for me with him, Scott. What's that? I said put in a good word for me with him. He is fine. I will, isn't he? He is pretty dang good looking. (laughs) Unfortunately... He is one of our straight allies and is married to a really oh, cool chick. Oh, damn it. But I know it's so sad, but he is a very fun interview. I should interview. have known. It's all I too. know. Our luck. All right. Stay on the line for me, guys. I'll be back on the other side to finish out the show. Here is a little bit of music.
you guys. We are back. That was Levi Christ with Hello. If you haven't caught one of Levi's Sunday gospel brunch streams lately, you need to do yourself a favor and get over to that. He's doing an hour of music every Sunday. It's just fantastic. He'll be on the show very soon to talk about that and his podcast. I am so excited to talk to our next guest on the show, y'all. You know I'm a huge fan of comics. I'm a superhero nerd entertainment junkie so we first came across my radar seeing him do some amazing interviews with the best in comics television and movies i became an instant fan after a deep dive i learned that his passion for movies came from practically running out the entire blockbuster video store when he was a younger chap and after perfecting his interviewing skills as a dj and host he was able to live out that passion after winning a nationwide contest in his native Canada as a pre-show host for a major theater chain. We're going to talk about all that and so much more, so please welcome to the Lexus Trade Show for the very first time, Mr. Tanner Zipchin. Tanner, how you doing, sir? Hey, thanks for having me, man. This is awesome. Thank you. Appreciate you coming down. Thanks so much for being a great ally and coming on the show. I appreciate you shutting down the entire entertainment industry to make time to talk to me. <laughs> Pretty good stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, basically. Yeah, it's kind of uh, yeah. feels like that's how it's been going. It's so weird. Everything's just on on pause, and uh, all my friends in the industry are all kind of not sure what's going to happen next. So I think we got to just hope for the best and hope everyone washes their hands and stays six feet apart and don't touch their face and things like that. And we should hopefully get through this. There you go. Exactly. And how are you and your lovely wife handling things in? Uh, up in Canada, is everything a little calmer there? We can switch presidents any day you wish. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's 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 okay. It's it's we're doing okay. We've uh, first, you know, living in Toronto, it was tough to find uh, things. You know, the the grocery stores kind of got hit really hard as the the you know the fear kind of hit. Everyone was stocking up on toilet paper and and whatnot. So it was it was tough to find things at first. But we had luckily uh, headed a did a little Costco run like right before it happened by coincidence. So we were already good on that front. Uh, but yeah, we've been managing to find everything we need and and you know supporting lots of local businesses that are making sanitizers and things like that along the way. And we've been yeah we've been doing great. We've actually become a dog foster. Uh, we were like let's help out some great you know local organizations and shelters. So we've been fostering dogs. We've made it to our second dog. And I'm pretty sure this guy's gonna become a, a permanent member of the household. We, I guess, we're a foster fail. So, oh wow, yeah. fantastic though. Good on you guys for doing that though. That is amazing. Let's go into a little background. I kind of hinted towards toward the introduction here. You started as a DJ and then won this contest to start getting your foray into the movie making and everything. But let's start from the very beginning. Where did you grow up in Canada? What kind of a kid were you, and what did you want to be when you first grew up? Yeah, I was. Uh, I grew up in in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, uh, which is the the biggest city, uh, which is not saying much in uh, in the prairies, right in the middle of Canada. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was. A, I grew up. I was. I always loved, you know, creating and drawing. We had a we had a show, Mister Dress Up, on uh, CBC, and every day he would he would draw different things, and he would take you through different. Like there were, at the end of the show, he would stick it into his tickle trunk, and there was you know costumes and special guests and things like that. And that's the stuff that just totally fascinated me as a kid, and I really got into just that idea of like expressing myself creatively. So there was through drawing or sketching or painting, and then later it became writing as you know, gone into school and English and creative writing. And I really was drawn to storytelling and that kind of just slowly 
led into performing is you would write stuff and you could like write jokes and you could make people laugh or cry by, you know, expressing an idea or a thought, which is a, a really cool thing. And that kind of just brought me to more and more creative venues in high school. I was drawn to, you know, drama and as well as the creative writing in English. But uh, then from there, I went into radio and I started writing commercials at a radio station. And then that got me on air. And then, of course, uh, you know, living in Saskatchewan, the, the film industry isn't what it used to be. Uh, there used to be a, a film tax credit that uh, had gone away for a while. So there wasn't really much, mm, okay. much of an option for, for anything like that. So then I kind of like put that all aside and then, I had an opportunity to uh, it was in, enter a Canada-wide contest to become uh, the face of uh, the biggest movie theater chain in, in Canada. So I, uh, I applied. It seemed, my friend of mine sent me the link, and I, I threw an application in and uh, an audition video. And next thing you know, I was like in, a, in the top ten, and there was voting, and it was going right up into our wedding. We were about to be married, and we were supposed <laughs> to be figuring out things at the wedding venue, and I was doing like Instagram takeovers and things to get votes and stuff. So it was a chaotic Man. time, and I ended up I ended up winning it, and then my whole my whole life changed. Well, winning you did ten thousand votes, my friend. That's pretty impressive. If you're from a small town, as you say, that is a big way to go, guy. I'm telling you, congratulations. Yeah, it was it was interesting, as you know, we I was up against people in you know I was in Saskatoon at the time, and there's about a quarter million you know people in in, in Saskatoon, and the province doesn't have you know that much. You know, looking at places like Vancouver and Toronto, I was up against. Uh, contestants from from all over the place, and they had a you know a population that was ten times that. So if anyone went onto the streets in Toronto and just screamed that they you know to vote for them, they would totally blow me out of the water. But uh, we ended up <laughs> pulling through. You know, there's a lot of this pride, this like kind of small town uh, pride, and everyone's just so happy to support local. And I think there was a, a huge push for that. And even the the premier of the province was getting people to, to vote. And it was phenomenon. It was like on newspapers and morning shows and things. So I was, it was, it was, it was really cool to see people really come together and, and really, uh, really help me out. And I'm totally uh, grateful for everyone who, who cast a vote. Nice. Well, you did an amazing uh, entry video and you have that available on your website online. I recommend people watch that. I recommend even more watching your reaction, watching your video later. That was priceless, yeah. my friend. <laughs> I yeah. love that. So very inventive and uh, good on you, as I said. I think you you deserved it, and congratulations. That had to be an exciting five-year run. I mean, they sent you all over the place. Was your bag packed for a moment notice? I saw like a 24-hour turnaround to the UK and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it was uh, it was a weird uh, yeah weird time. We we're not unable to make plans. You know, people would be like, "Hey, can you come over for this dinner on the weekend or a barbecue or my birthday," and I would always kind of have to not fully commit to things because yeah, it was there were so many you know communications between so many big companies and studios and 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 you know schedules were built around production schedules and, and talent availability. So a lot of times things would pop up at the last minute. So I, I literally had to have a bag packed by the door and i think the last three uk trips i made were were almost all day of trips so it was just you'd get an email in, around noon being like oh do we uh you know you're going to the possibly go to the uk this weekend and i'm like i'm finding out for the first time and then by three o'clock like <laughs> we got you on the 7:30 flight so and then you oh go there goodness. and it's the crazy thing is you go there and it's literally a day like you you land and you sometimes screen the movie and then you're on a on the flight back right away, you know, the next morning back home after you do the the one interview. So it's interesting to think like you travel 
over from Toronto to the UK, you know, it's over 12 hours of travel. If you take in air, airfare and or the air, the air travel, plus the ground travel and all that stuff. And you, you're literally just going for about a four minute interview with one person. And then you're doing that all again to come back. So I, I don't understand how you can, I, I'm a talker. I don't know. I would never do good in junkets. I, that's why I do hour long interviews because I would suck at talking for five minutes. How do you kind of prepare for that kind of questioning? Yeah, the first it's a couple times because my my background in in radio, you know, generally you have a bit of a longer schedule, especially if someone's coming into the studio, as you know. And then from there, I, I went on to do panel hosting at Comic Con. So I started in uh, in Calgary and Edmonton, and I actually U.S. a few few U.S. stops last year. I was out in Boston and uh, Orlando, but yeah, and with those conversations, there they are longer conversations. You may have an hour, forty five minutes, but it was weird the first time walking into a room. And it's literally like almost like a speed dating type setup. Like you, you walk in, the chair is already set up, the talent's already waiting in the chair, and you sit down. They'll, they'll either slate for you or you just quickly say your name and outlet, and then they start the timer, and you have about four, four to five minutes uh, generally, and you just got to quickly kind of get to it. So whatever little icebreaker you have to kind of get the, that person comfortable, uh, you got to quickly get that out of the way, try to read the room as best as you can, try to get a, you know, like just like you would, I guess, in a speed dating situation, just try to figure out, you know, who, who this person is and what's their, what's their personality, kind of get a read on it. And then you gotta, you gotta go you only, because you only got one shot at it. So if you, right. you know, c- come in too strong and you're trying to hit the funny jokes and this, they're not having it, well then you just, you know, you kind of blew your, your four minutes because there's, there's no, there's no redos. Well, you're amazing at it. Um, my favorite, I think, the most baller move I've ever seen is with James Corden when you turn the tables on him. I thought that was a brilliant yeah. move, my friend. Very, well, very there was cool. The thing with, yeah. Well, well, again, with that one, it was the same thing. It was, you know, four minutes. But in that situation, I went in. And before I went in, I was told literally in the hallway that, uh, I, don't know if, like, I don't know if we've told you yet or anyone's told you yet, but you actually only have two minutes. And I was like, two minutes? Oh like, goodness. I just went all this way for – so two minutes really breaks down to one question. By the time you get in and you sit down and you say who you are, you start, start asking that question and they answer, well, that's, that's two minutes. So I was like, yeah. well, what's that one question? What is the one question I could ask that would probably get me more time and somehow stretch this? And that question was, will you interview me about this movie? So – and I'm like, they're not going to cut him off. So that's how that came That was me. a ball so and move. Yeah, you interviewed me. That. We went on for like six or seven minutes. We went way over time. You could tell everyone was super upset and pissed off, but I was like, hey, they're not going to cut him off. He's the talent. So we, it was a great time. It was, it was awesome. Nice. What was your hardest interview during that time? I mean, you were everywhere with everybody. What would you think, what would you say was your hardest interview? Uh, there was, yeah, there was uh, a few that were, that were definitely, you know, considering how, how busy things got, being a super busy time and kind of jumping around from, from set to set and interview to interview. Uh, yeah, there was definitely, you know, that, that weighs on you too, as do exhaustion sets in and, and, and jet lag. But and there was some definite late late night interviews. We're on set waiting for talent to to wrap. So that, you know you're, you've been on set for 12, 15 hours sometimes, and you finally get that shot to do your interview, and it's like two in the morning. So those have the particular challenges. But it's also like I learned over the years too. Uh, you know, some people have different sweet spots when 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 it comes to interviews. Some people they're they're morning people. You get them fresh in the morning, and they give you some amazing answers and mm-hmm. tell some amazing stories, yeah. and then. Some people, some people got to get warmed up, right? So a little later in the day seems to be a better time. So I mean, specifically speaking, um, I don't know. There's been there, there's been a couple. I think they weren't 
difficult in a sense that there was really any obstacles, but just not what they what I thought they would be. You know what I mean? I think you kind of go into the room right. basing opinions off of people by what you've seen on the internet and other interviews. Like when I went in to talk to Christian Bale for the first time, I had just watched the uh, the freak out on the set of Terminator. I don't know if you've seen like the video from like five six years ago now, where sure, yeah. he lost mm-hmm. it on some he lost it on some crew guy, and I was like, oh no, he's uh, he's got a short temper and. But then you realize later that that was just out of context, and you know, no one saw the first part of that story. And then he's actually a super fun, sarcastic guy. And he was like, I was told not to talk about Batman by the guy in the hallway before the interview. And so I was trying to avoid the Batman thing, and he kept poking at it. And I realized later he was just messing with me the whole time. And it turns out he's one of the nicest, coolest people out there. So I think there's just a lot of that. And I think you learn over time just not base opinions off of people by what you've read or what you've seen. I think it's just good to experience it for yourself. Right. That's awesome. Now, did you get a lot of anonymity to do whatever you wanted to do for this? Or did you kind of, did they want you to get certain information? Were you able to kind of do your own research and pick your own questions? Uh, yeah, for the most part, yeah, I was able to kind of, uh, how I approached it was just do as much much reading and research as I could to take the conversation any way I could take it. So if we weren't kind of stuck and restricted to those few questions, because I was I think the, one of the worst things you can do is kind of make yourself have this like structure and then, you know, you get your first answer and it leads into potentially some other follow-up question that could be some amazing story that no one's ever heard before, but instead you're switching gears to something else right away. So conversation and kind of go, you know, what direction it, it was going to go naturally. And at the same time, there were still some requirements along the way of things that we needed for maybe Christmas was around the corner and we wanted to get some little sound bite of a, I don't know, the worst Christmas gift they've ever got or whatever, whatever it was. But, uh, yeah, I would say, like, 99% of my interviews, was I was kind of free to do uh, whatever I wanted, which was which was great, because then we could kind of maximize that, that time as best we could. Sure, very cool. And what was probably one of your favorite interviews you look back on? Oh, there was uh, some definite uh, career highlights. I mean, for me, as you can tell by that audition video, a big Jurassic Park fan. Um, and, right. and I actually got to go got to go to uh, Kualoa Ranch uh, out in uh, in Hawaii to go to well, well a where they shot the majority of uh, all the Jurassic Park films, but also that's where they had the press day for uh, the Jurassic World uh, the sequel, uh, which was amazing. So uh, yeah, it's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Um, they junketed in, in out there, so we got to uh, sit down with uh, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, as well as Jeff Goldblum, who came back for that film. So to be there with Goldblum, to be in the original location, overlooking this amazing, you know, landscape where you could just imagine the Gallimimus herds running in the background. Sure. And uh, just, just to be in that location was, was so cool. They even had Jurassic Park uh, jeeps driving people around from kind of location to location. And if you wanted to you know, go back to craft services. They would drive you in this Jeep that would play the theme song when you were inside. Like it was, it was, it was super cool. And it was just felt like you were in the movie. I bet that is so cool. And talk about your inception moment where you are now creating this video to, to get this position, dressed as Sam Watterson's character, and then you get to interview him. How was that? Was that kind of wild? Yeah. Like I kind of had the bucket list going through it all over the years, like all the people, you know, I, I wanted to cross off and I'm being, you know, a huge star Wars fan as a kid and a huge Jurassic park fan. I've now managed, you know, at this point in time, I've literally crossed off. I think almost every original trilogy, uh, star Wars cast member. I was able to work with Carrie Fisher a few times before she passed away, but you know, Harrison Ford and I just had Anthony Daniels on an Instagram live and, 
Billy D. Williams. But then on the Jurassic Park front, uh, got got talked to Goldblum uh, in at Jurassic Park, Laura Dern on a red carpet, and then there was Sam Neill was the last person I hadn't spoken to yet who I impersonated in that video. And finally, at la- uh, last fall at TIFF, he was on the red carpet, and I, I told him the story. I had to tell him because I, I mean I feel like I owe him my career. It was a bad impression of him that really helped me secure the the job. So. I told him the story, and, and he had a good laugh about it, and he told me that he's going to take credit for my career. And I mean, I think he should. So I got to actually do the impression, a little bit of an impression for him as well. Uh, I actually got to do an impression uh, of, of that line to Goldblum in Hawaii, and he gave me some acting some acting uh, critiques on it. We actually ran it a few times. It was pretty funny. So. I can now. I, nice. I guess I can say that I've been. I've been coached. Is that? Does that count? Acting coach by uh, Goldblum and Sam Neill. I don't. I, I mean, I'm going to put it on the resume. I was going to say I talk to actors every day. Throw that on the resume under special skills yeah. or something. Sure. <laughs> you never know. It counts. Find it out. counts. Well, I like it. Thank you for saying Sam Neill. I said Sam Watterson. Somehow I law and ordered myself there, but I appreciate. No, you no problem. That. And at one point <laughs> I was. I was sitting down with Ron Howard at one point and I had him direct me through my interview. I thought, I'm like, well, he's a director. He could direct me through this. And, and so I can now also put directed by Ron Howard as well. So I've got, I've been building a resume secretly on the side all these years. So it's great. You are sly and crafty. I like it. All right. Well, you <laughs> teased about the Instagram stories. I want to jump into that. Let's go into, I mean, speaking of great guests, as you said, I mean, we're in the middle of May the 4th be with you week, of course, already. But you had not only Anthony Daniels, but you've been talking lately. David Yost, uh, amazing. Kristen Kruick, who I love. Jonathan Nicky. Talk about these great guests, how you're having fun with the whole Instagram Live thing during Corona quarantine. Yeah, like right off the front, uh, you know, when this all happened, uh, everyone, you know, was trying to find things to do and, and stay active and, 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 you know, do what they can. And, you know, I'm you kind of feel helpless in a way, not being somebody who's, you know, in a position on the front lines or, you know, a first responder and whatever, and you're being told to kind of stay inside. You really can't even go out and, and volunteer in the community. So I was like, well, what can I do to maybe help people the most I can with, with my skill set? So I, I, started, I started hosting these, uh, you know, Instagram live interviews and conversations, bringing friends on just to help people, you know, take their mind off of things for just a few minutes every day, because I think we turn on the TV or you go on social media, there's just, you know, all these updates and things. So let's, let's have, let's sure. have some fun and answer some fan questions. And, and yeah, so I started reaching out to some, some friends and, and uh, yeah, they, they, the response was great. People agreed to, to come on. So we started off. Yeah. Different. I've had power Rangers and star Wars cats. I got Amy Jo Johnson, the original pink Ranger. Uh, I'll be on with her uh, this week as well. And some more people coming up, but uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. And now how things kind of build into the next and, it's been a great response from people and it's been fun to ask uh, some, you know, cool fan questions as well as take advantage of the fact that we're all at home right now. So I've been ending a lot of them lately with a little show and tell so people can find an item in their house that maybe has a cool story attached to it. Cause we're already invading their, you know, personal life. Anyway, we might as well just go sure. for it and have them, have them dig through <laughs> their drawers on, on camera and show off some of their wares. But uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm doing I have a few more schedules coming up with a few more people, and uh, yeah, I've been turning my living room into a bit of a of a studio, which has been uh, which has been interesting. But yeah, so watch for watch for that, and I'm also going to be posting any that people have missed from the last couple of weeks will be going up on uh, on YouTube coming up, so you can go back and watch the Anthony Daniels one again or whatnot. Terrific, that is so cool. And speaking of doing stuff during this whole uh, Corona time. 
You also have your shop where you do different merchandise and everything, which I absolutely love. I, the Marvel logo is brilliant. I love that. Uh, talk, But you're also giving some of this back to charity right now, and you have some great artists you're working with. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was uh, literally a joke tweet that I made a couple weeks ago saying, well, now I got all this free time. I can work on that merchandise line. And uh, I got a big response from people that were like, you should really do this. And, and I think people would, you know, I would buy this if you did this. So next thing you know, I had a few, you know, graphic designers. Uh, some one of them tweeted some designs at me. I got another one uh, that, that had DM me saying, "If you're serious, I would love to work with you." So I put everyone in a in a group chat, and we all agreed that if we're going to do something like this, it's got to be you know to to help fight uh, COVID and for you know put it towards COVID relief funds. So that's what we did. So we came up with a few designs and opened a little store on on T Public, and, and proceeds are being split between um, Sprint Senior Care, which goes to uh, helping out you know the the, the seniors in, in various homes in, in the country, and of course, uh, being uh, high risk right now with, with COVID, and also Your Life Counts, uh, which goes towards uh, helping people uh, through, you know, through this time and, you know, battling with mental health. So that's the two causes that are they're very, very important to me. So we, we opened the store a couple of days ago, and yeah, it's been, it's been fun. People can, yeah, order a shirt, and it'll be safely delivered to your door, as you, of course, should spray it down first. You never know. Uh, as you should with everything that comes in your house. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's right, been a great right. time. <laughs> well, thank you for doing that. I think that's awesome. I love it. I like that you're using your little tagline, enjoy the show. Um, the guy pointing scares me a bit. It's a little bit Terminator T2. His finger's a little too long yeah, for me. Yeah, a little bit. Kind of scares me a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, like I said, I'm loving the logos. Um, I love the Marvel logo. That's just amazing. I, I'm a huge Marvel fan. So very, very nice. And let's get into your YouTube channel a bit. As you said, you're going to be bringing these Instagram lives to YouTube. I am being an interviewer myself. I deep dive in your older interviews from the radio and everything. Amazing people. I mean, Bill Cosby before the event, uh, Jamie Lee yeah, Curtis, yeah. Um, Marina <laughs> Sergis, Brandon Ralph, Adam Lambert, Alan Thick. I, I did Alan Thick on my show. I loved him. I don't know if you had a good time with him, but I enjoyed him thoroughly yeah great yeah uh, talk about some yeah, of those interviews is, think, that you had back in radio yeah for me and that's also why this instagram live stuff has been so cool because it's kind of been like a throwback to those days because back in radio that's how it was like it all started with throwback thursday and it was a hashtag that was you know all over twitter at the time and i was watching amazing race canada uh, that was on at the same time and there were a, a couple on the show that were contestants that were a like, like a like a, an iconic you know 80s 90s fitness duo that they would do infomercials on tv called body break and they were they were contestants that year so i reached out to them via twitter and they came on the show and then after that i kind of just slowly went on and got more and more people and kind of leveraged you know certain things to get other people and it really you know david yost again was i think one of my first people just like with instagram live he was one of the first people to to sign up which was cool and then next thing you know yeah i was getting people like you know melanie brown from the spice girls and Corey feldman and and all this stuff so yeah, it was it was really cool to do, and I'm kind of doing that again with uh, with Instagram Live. But yeah, back in the in those days, there was it was it was it was fun to do because I really focused on what I was interested in. I think to kind of like be a little selfish, I guess. And being a, a huge Full House fan, I was like, I got to try and cross off as many Full House members as I could. So I had like Bob Sagan mm-hmm. on the show and Dave Coulier. And at that time, being you know Tanner and being on the radio, being a DJ. Uh, it was quick, quickly named DJ Tanner. So I, I'm like, I have to get Candace. I got to get Candace Cameron on to officially 
panned off the name to me. So I had her on eventually, and yeah, she she gave me the blessing to to, to use the name on the radio. That was before the Fuller House happened. I'm sure she, you know, would would want the name back had I still been using it. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and it's it, and it's cool to see like yeah, people would how generous people were with their time and just wanting to you know, give back and, and hang out and, and talk and share some stories. And with those interviews, they were all nostalgia focused. So it was, you know, talking about maybe a certain project that they had done years ago and people had kind of moved on from since. So it was kind of fun to kind of go back and, and dig, dig through that. Very cool. Well, Candace is almost an honorary Canadian with as many Hallmark movies as she films. She's up there, I'm sure, half the time anymore. So that's very cool. Yeah. Very- Take care of that's that true. I love she's that. in like Vancouver. <laughs> I think she's probably there right now waiting to shoot the next Christmas movie. There you go. I mean, Vancouver is just the hot spot. I'm, I'm between there and Toronto. I'm sure I would be going back and forth. I am a huge uh, CW fan. CW here. I'm not sure if it's the same in Canada where we get all of our yeah, DC yeah. comic shows, Flash and everything filmed out there. That's just a hot spot. One place I have not been yet. I've, I'm a huge Toronto fan. I've been there a lot. It's only about a four hour drive when I'm out here in Northeast Ohio, but I would love to get over mm-hmm. to the DC set over Vancouver. That'd be awesome. Yeah. It's a huge, and the cool thing with what they're doing there is they're able to then do the crossovers effectively. Cause if they're shooting flash and, and Supergirl and arrow all in the same location and they, you know, to like walk to the next studio over and do like a little walk on roll and do a crossover, it's super easy to make it happen. So, you know, we've seen things like uh, what we just saw with the massive DC, the crisis on infinite earth, you know, that was a huge right. event. That's never that was the first time anything like that has happened. I think that that many shows had had kind of merged into one for that arc, which was which was awesome. No, and they pulled black lightning and everything, so I was very impressed with that. You were right. And speaking of all this acting stuff, I mean, you you were had the acting bug when you were younger. You've been in a couple at least walk on parts and maybe a couple speaking. Talk about acting. What are your goals for that? Do you still have a desire to be in front of the camera? Yeah, that was the thing. I you know I I always growing up love to just be that kind of performer and, and you know whether it was standing on the stool in my parents living room when they had company over and just trying to like you know make people laugh and whatnot and then you know later kind of bled into becoming the class clown which got me in a bit of trouble I think but yeah you know and then <laughs> drama later on but then in living where I was there wasn't really many options past that point of of you know continuing to be a working actor uh, there was like a theater company in the city and that was really it and not really having that you know, in my head that moving was an option because I think my family for the, at least had always kind of just stayed where they were, you know, grew up. So I never really thought of this as an option. And moving to Toronto, I was like, oh, my God, I can kind of go back and maybe I can, this isn't too late to kind of make up for lost time. So when I got here, I right away dove into that world as much as I could and found found an agent, you know, took some more classes to show people I was serious. And then, yeah, as, as I visited sets whether it was through just interviewing the the people uh, on the set or or visiting friends, I would work my way into the backgrounds of certain scenes and things. So I'm in a few, got a few like little cameos kicking around, and then yeah, it's been great. Now these last you know couple of years, especially, I have more more time to really go out and audition. So there's a, a few uh, projects this year that'll be coming out. One next month, uh, Private Eyes, which is I guess well mainly a Canadian show, but I know it does broadcast in many different territories in the world it's yeah, the jason Priestley uh detective series and then uh one coming out later this year which will be on amazon prime a little little uh, small part on a little uh, superhero show but i can't say much more about that uh which i probably just gave Woo-hoo! away there's really only one option nice. when it comes to that but uh 
Yeah, so yeah, it's been good. But unfortunately, any any like momentum that you know, I think like anybody, any momentum that you were gaining during this time, it kind of all just got you know grinded to a halt with uh, everything shutting down. So hopefully, right. when things get back to normal and uh, we're able to meet in small groups and shoot things again, we will. Uh, yeah, Toronto's bought for it, so it's uh, it's a great place to be living when you uh, want to be an actor. Very good. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you on the screen and. I'm just living for your Instagrams and everything. Uh, a lot of, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. It's been great meeting you. You are a hero interviewer of mine. I think you make your interviews very light, very concise, very fun, and uh, you do a great job, my friend. Well, thanks for having me, man. I, I appreciate it. I'm not, I'm not often on the other side of the interviews, so this has been, this has been cool. This has been <laughs> uh, yeah, awesome. To weird though, I feel like I should be asking you questions. So I, don't, I don't know, like. Feel like I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm so boring. You would, you'd be falling asleep by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do this again, but then we'll flip the table on the next one. Okay. I like it. Well, give everyone your uh, all your feeds, your Instagram, the YouTube. I mean, you've had over almost a million views of your shows with only two thousand listeners. So we're going to get a lot of more subscribers from that today. But let everyone know where they can find your YouTube and your social, my friend. Yeah, it's all, everything's under uh, one name, and that is, yeah, my name, so it's Tanner Zipchen, uh, Tanner, T-A-N-N-E-R, and the last name is Z-I-P-C-H-E-N, and that's it. Yeah, give me a follow, and anyone wants to know anything, if you have any questions, if you want to maybe get into this world, I know a lot of people reach out to me all the time if they're maybe going you know, into like media studies or they want to be a host or they want to be an actor or anything like that. Uh, yeah, shoot me a DM and I'll do what I do my best to to get back to people. So love to help out as any way I I, I can. So yeah, let's uh, get in touch. You are amazing. I'll be hitting you up myself, my friend. I need the help, but you are fantastic. Thanks so much for taking the time, Tanner. And uh, we will have you back again real soon, guys. We're gonna have Tanner for a special five questions bonus content. So look for that upcoming soon. Tanner, have a great afternoon and be safe during COVID nineteen, my friend. Thank you. You too. Don't uh, forget, wash your hands and yeah, don't don't touch your face, okay? There you go. And buy his products. Support uh, Canada people doing good things <laughs> up there. Guys, we'll be back. We're going to play a little music break. I'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to the Leftist Straight Show right here on the Leftist Straight Radio Network.
much for listening big shout out to my guests lyric cruise matt hayes and tanner zipchin thanks so much for being on the show tonight three amazing interviews thanks to all my guests this week we're gonna be back next week with five more days of brand new interviews all week long got some great people coming to you we have musical monday of course and lots of other great interviews throughout the week next week So please be uh, sure to tune in for that. You can always catch them live or semi-live, as I like to say, since I always open and close your shows live, and some will have some live interviews and some will be pre-taped. But we'll be with you every night next week, Monday through Friday at 6 o'clock Pacific time and 8 o'clock Eastern time. Be sure to follow the social media so you can see what the guests will be for that day. On Instagram and Twitter, it's at Left of Straight. That's L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight. Facebook, it's Left of Straight Show. You can like that page or send me over a friend request because I take a public profile, my Scott Fullerton, my personal page there. I always like to make new friends. So thanks for that. Beware for next week. Hey, guys, I said I have a special announcement tonight. I have a brand new uh, Council of Experts special correspondence that will be starting next week. Uh, experts in the area of fitness, mental health, LGBT travel, entertainment, food, and luxury living and music. So be sure to look for that. I'll make a more official announcement on Monday. I'll have a big announcement because the big gay road trip is back. Yes, it is. I've hinted about enough tonight that I have to kind of semi-announce it tonight. The big gay road trip is in year number three coming at you this summer to Palm Springs, California. Give all the details on it on Monday. Thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. Thanks again to my guests, and have a great weekend, everyone. Be good to each other. Bye-bye.